Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Aren't you glad we serve an awesome God? Awesome God. Amen. As I was preparing my message this week, I I thought of the the title, How the Mighty Have Fallen. How the Mighty Have Fallen. And as I was thinking about that title, because I've heard that name, I've heard that quite a bit, and I know some of you uh, know where it came from. But I really didn't, so I looked it up to find out, well, where did that phrase, how the mighty has fallen. Where did it come from? From the Bible. It's in the Bible where David was lamenting the death of Jonathan and Saul. And two times he used that phrase, how the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. That's my message today. Now, the bulk of my message will be taking place from the book of Isaiah, chapter 47 and chapter 48. Chapter 47 deals with the humiliation and the fall of Babylon. And thus the title, Babylon Fell. How mighty or how the mighty have fallen. But before we look at Babylon, let's remind ourselves about Israel. You know, they were mighty. I said they were mighty. If you go back to Solomon's day, that was probably the day when they were at their peak. And let's just read a few verses just to get a glimpse of Israel under Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people according to all that he promised. Not one word. Let me say it again. Not one word. Not one word has failed of all of his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. How many knows that's going back a long time? That's going back a long time. Not one word has failed. And Solomon had taken over kingship. And he says, not one word has failed. Now let's go over to chapter 10. Read verse 14 to start with. Chapter 10, verse 14, where it says this. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. 666 talents of gold. Besides that which came from the explorers and all the other men. So every year he got 666 talents of gold. Now, how much was that? Roughly 50,000 pounds. How many knows that's a pretty good chunk of money? Roughly $1.5 billion from that source. Now, drop down to chapter uh, 10, verse 21, where it says, All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. Not 24 carat. They were pure gold. None were silver. 
Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with a fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. You say, why in the world would they put that in the Bible? It wanted to show how wealthy he was. And I was reading that every three years, so I'm assuming that they took a trip and it took them three years to make the cycle. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his presence. In other words, not counting that other money he got, they kept bringing him articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 1,200 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities in the king of Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. Now, if any of you got silver stones laying in your driveway, I'll be glad to come pick them up on halves. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shepla. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew, and the king's traders received them from Kew at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 650 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of Hittites and the kings of Syria. They were mighty. They were at peace. Everything was going good. And It was during the time frame of prosperity when they dedicated the temple. When they dedicated the temple, that's when Solomon gave that great proclamation. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. By the time Isaiah came around, he was writing about their fall. How mighty, how the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. Israel fell. Even after Solomon had proclaimed Every promise, every promise that Moses spoke, that God gave through Moses, every one of them was fulfilled. And God blessed them. Yet the mighty fell. Chapter 47 and 48 of Isaiah And there's dozens of sermons in this two chapters. But I want us to concentrate on two thoughts today. I want us to realize that the humiliation of Babylon. They were at their peak. They were mighty. The most powerful country. Many people believe that Babylon was the largest city of that day, maybe 500,000 strong. And for that time in history, that was a big city. 
It was elaborate. It was beautiful. But they fell. Even though they said there's no way. There's no way that Babylon can fall because we are too strong. We're too powerful. We're too mighty. But they fail. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, a daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind flour. Put off your veil. Strip off your robe. Uncover your legs. Pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered. And your disgrace shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of Chaldeans, for you shall no more be called the mistress of kingdoms. I was angry with my people, or profaned my heritage. I gave them to your hand. Now you catch this? God says, I let you conquer Israel. I let you, I allowed you to conquer Israel. You were used by me to accomplish my will. But he said, you showed him no mercy. On the age you made your yoke exceedingly heavy. And you said, I shall be mistress forever. Nobody is going to destroy Babylon. So that you did not lay these things to heart. Or remember their end. Now therefore hear this, you lovers of pleasure. Who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there's no one beside me. I shall not sit as a widow or know the loss of children. These two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood shall come upon you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantments. See, they were very high on astrology. Very high on astronomy. Matter of fact, if you remember, who was in charge? Who was the chief of the Magi? Daniel. There are many people believe that the wise men that came to visit Jesus when he was little were influenced by Daniel's teaching because they came from Babylon. They were so strong. It says, you felt secure in your wickedness. And you said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am, and there's no one beside me. I want to back up to a phrase where it says, in a moment, in a day. In other words, this didn't happen gradually. It happened overnight. How the mighty have fallen. Some of you say, well, that big deal. Big deal. But you don't understand the might of Babylon. We know that the king took the Hebrew children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that they looted the temple. 
and took it to Babylon. We know all that. But did you know they also took the king? He, they took kings and took them to Babylon. Why did you think, why do you think they felt so secure? Well, have you ever heard of the Euphrates River? That's what was around Babylon. And there was even a moat around the city from the Euphrates River that protected Babylon. Now, when we say Babylon today, I'm talking about the city, not the entire area. But the city of Babylon. And around that, they had a moat from the, from the Euphrates River that surrounded the outer court and outer gates. And within the city were not just one temple, there were numerous temples worshiping other gods. There was a ziggurat. You say, what's that? That's a temple tower. And many think that the hanging gardens, the hanging gardens, they think that that's the Greek that says the, the uh, of seven wonders of the ancient world, they were in Babylon, developed by Nebuchadnezzar. One of the seven wonders of the world. Now, after the moat around it from the river, they had a wall. It wasn't a huge wall. It was only 27 foot thick. 27 feet thick. Excuse me, I was wrong, 25 feet. 25 feet, I, wanna, I, I don't want you to think I'm evangelistically speaking. It was 25 feet. And then they had a bunch of things put around between the next uh, wall that was 23 feet wide. 23 wide. And every 65 feet, not yards, every 65 feet they had, okay, everybody just keep, their, keep saying that the security team would take care of them. Let's just have a word of prayer and let the medical teams, everybody back up except the medical teams. Okay. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray for this one, whatever the situation is. Pray that you just minister and touch by your power and your strength. And God, give her uh, the need that she has. And God, we just thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Okay, folks, if uh, we got the, a nurse coming in, so you just, uh, everybody keep, keep calm and try to stay away from her. And we'll try to go home with the service. But the... The wall was great. Had those towers ever 65 feet. It was a mighty, mighty, mighty city. And if somebody, if uh, y'all check the security, check her out. And if you need to call the ambulance, please do so. Okay. But we know that that city looked invincible. No way, no way under human needs that it would be taken care of. Do you know how it's captured? 
they figured a way to divert the Euphrates River. They went through and conquered it overnight. How the mighty have fallen. Let me read again verse 10. You felt secure in your wickedness, and you said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray, and you said in your heart, I am, and there's no one beside me. But evil shall come upon you, which you will not know how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you, from which you will not be able to atone. And ruin shall come upon you suddenly, overnight, of which you know nothing. Stand fast in your enchantments. And have your many sorceries, in which you have labored from your youth, perhaps you may be able to succeed. Perhaps you may inspire terror. You are wearied with your many counsels. Let them send forth and save you. Those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you. They were at the height of society. They were at the height of prestige. They controlled their area and it was uh, looked on with envy, but all of a sudden humiliation came in overnight. And some of you say, well, pastor, what's, what's the deal? Israel fell when they were powerful. Babylon fell when they were powerful. And I can tell you that in the past, if somebody told me the United States of America was going to fail, I'd have laughed at them. I said I would have laughed at them. Now, I'm not speaking prophetically today. I'm not telling you that America's going to fail. I'm just telling you that Israel did, Babylon did, and there's no guarantee that we're not going to fall. I said there's no guarantee, and I know some of you say, well, well Pastor, that's pretty, uh, pretty strong. Well, there are many people that are prophesying that there's a revival coming to America. Now, listen, I'm hoping that they're right. I said, I'm praying that they're right. But guess what? God hasn't told me and shown me that there's going to be a revival. So I'm going to just tell you, we're still trusting God. I know that God is the one that's going to take care of it. But if God doesn't take care of it, a political party is not. Now, that's not to upset any of you. I did not name your party. Because I'm going to tell you, we cannot depend on the government. Babylon was secure. They couldn't be touched. I said, they couldn't be touched. Israel was secure. They were rolling in money. They had more money than you want. They didn't have a national debt. They owned it all. Look, the mighty have fallen. Goes on to say, behold, they're like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. No coal for warming oneself is this. No fire to sit before. Such to those are those with whom you have labored, who have done business with you from your youth. They wonder about each in his own direction. There's no one 
to save you. Alas, the mighty have fallen. And I know some of you sitting there and saying, Pastor, that's not good news. I came today to be encouraged, not discouraged. But if the mighty have fallen, what about the rest of us who are not so mighty? Huh? I mean, I mean, you know, if a multimillionaire loses it all, those of us have nothing. We've already lost it all. And somebody said, well, tell me something different. Tell me something good. I'm so glad that long before Paul Harvey came about, God tells the rest of the story. I'm, I'm so glad that God tells the rest of the story. After he tells the nation of Babylon or the city of Babylon, they're going to be destroyed and there's really nothing you can do about it. The next chapter, the heading says, Israel is refined for God's glory. Israel is refined for God's glory. Now, if you look up the word refined, it means purities or unwanted elements having been removed by procession. Purities or unwanted elements have been removed by a process. Now, the word processing means to perform a series of mechanical or chemical operations on something in order to change or preserve it. So think about it. God was telling the nation of Israel, listen, you've just been under a refining process. Babylon controlled you, but Babylon's going to fall too. Babylon's going to fall as well, but I want you to know something. You are being refined. What was the purpose of Israel going to Babylon? So they could be processed. So they could be refined. Now, I know if you're like me, I don't like the refining process. I don't like to be sandpapered. I don't like to be sanded down. But guess what? Sometimes that is needed because God has a process to refine us like in using fire to go through the process to remove unwanted elements and unwanted impurities. Now, I, I know, and this is not my notes, and I'll try not to get bogged down on it, but I was thinking about this morning that the Bible talks about salt. And it talks about losing your saltiness, right? Losing your saltiness. I did a little bit of research. Now hear me out. Because the Bible's not wrong. But it says you lose your saltiness. And I looked it up and, said, and it says salt cannot lose its saltiness. How does that happen? Impurities get in it. You get enough things to weaken salt, it doesn't taste near salty. If you get garbage in the salt, it's not going to work. And what does it say? The only thing that's good for is to live up north and put it on the streets. That's all it's good for. Because it's got too much what? 
impurities. Got too much garbage. And so if God is refining you and I for his glory, guess what he's doing? He's got a process to get rid of that garbage. Now, I know some of you, you don't have any. But some of the rest of us have got some we can loan you. We don't want you to be left out. But God is in that process of refining us for his glory. Oh, how awesome is that? Refining him for his glory. Why did they need to be refined? Let's read it. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. In other words, we, we're saying it, but we're not doing it. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. The former things I declare of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. And suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Because I know that you're obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. Now some of you might not understand that. So let me put it in Oxford English. You're hard-headed. And you're stubborn. And God needs to refine you so that you will receive those things from God that he wants you to have. And I know many of you are not obstinate. But I'm not going to take your word for it. I'm going to ask your spouse. You say, I'm not hard-headed. Ask me and I'll tell you, I'm not hard-headed. But don't you listen to my wife and believe a word of it. How many of you know we have a tendency to be obstinate? We have a tendency. We want to do it our way. And we're your forehead of brass. What do you call it, Gator? Hard, tight head. Hard, tight head. That's what they used to talk about, Gator. That hard, tight head. How many can relate? We've had that hard, tight head. And it says, I declared to you from of old, before they came to pass, I announced to you. Lest you should say, my idol did this. He wants you to know, listen, all of the idols in the world, all of the sorcery in the world, all the astrology in the world, all those things cannot help us that we are, must be dependent upon God. He says, my carved image and my metal images commanded them. You have heard. Now see all this. And will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known they're created now, not long ago. But today you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. You have heard, never heard, you have never known. From the old, your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously. And that from before birth, you were called a rebel. That's called self. You've been called a rebel. That means you were born in the South. It means you were rebelling and rebellious heart. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God puts his anger on hold? I said, aren't you glad God puts his anger on hold? I want to tell you something. You didn't have my dad for a, a, a parent. Because I want to tell you, he would look at me and say, I owe you one. And you know when I'd get it? Whenever some of the other kids needed one. 
You say, that's not proper way to do it. I'm not saying it's proper. I said, that's the way my dad did it. And I'm glad when my brothers and sisters were good. Because that deferred mine. Some of, you, some of you can raise, that deferred my punishment. And God says, I'm patient. I deferred your punishment. Behold, I've refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I did it. Why did he do it? For how shall my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. The nation of Israel was his glory. And if the nation of Israel was not bringing him glory, he was not getting any. And the New Testament, what is his glory? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the church is bringing him shame, if the church is bringing him disappointment, guess what? He is not receiving his glory. And we say it this way, God will share his gold, but he will not share his glory. He will not share his glory. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I call, I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon and his arm shall be against the Chaldean. Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called them. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me. Hear this from the beginning. I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I've been there, and now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord. How many knows that he switched over to the New Testament jargon here? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. I know some of you say, oh, I love that. I love to profit. That's not what he's talking about. The New Living Testament puts it a little bit better. Who teaches you what is best for you. Teaches you what is best for you. You know why? Because you don't know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for you. You have to depend upon God. God teaches you. And that's the reason he said, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Why? Because he knows what's best. Some of us need to let go and realize God knows what's best. Let's let him do it and quit giving him our prayer request and say, okay, God, if you'll get all these, I've got all the dominoes in place if you just tap them. God said, no, I know what's best. I'll lead you in what's best. Who leads you in the way you should go? All things. Then notice this. I know Gator don't need to hear this. Oh, if you just paid attention. Most of you know that I was a meat cutter for a number of years, and, and I had to use the meat saw a lot. If you did not pay attention, you paid some other way. Huh? If you did not pay attention, how many know that life in general? If we would just pay attention. How many times have you told Bill, just pay attention? Huh? Every day, yeah. 
Just pay attention. Oh, that they would pay attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of a sea. Then we see God's provision. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like his grain. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, free from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Notice this promise. He was reminding them. What did he say earlier? There was not any promise that God gave Moses that did not come to pass. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow from them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. In other words, God made the provision. God made the provision. And the fact is how the mighty have fallen. We're not gonna win every battle. I know some of so. why not? Why can't we win every battle? Because some of the times the best lessons in life are learned when we mess up. They're built through our failures. And eventually, you will run up against somebody that's bigger than you. You're going to run up against somebody stronger than you. And I know some of you say, well, wait a minute, with God, Christ, I can do all things. I totally agree with that. I quote it often, but I also know what the Bible says. It says the, it's appointed for man once to die. That's the enemy you're not going to escape. How the mighty have fallen. You may be, may be a bodybuilder. When I was in Tobago, I, 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 I mentioned this. And, you know, I, I tend to forget that everybody's culture is not like ours. But I saw somebody on the, on the boat that he had spent a lot of time getting his body in shape. And, you know, when I looked at it, you know what thought I had? He's proud of his six-pack, and I've got a full keg. They didn't understand what I was talking about. <laughs> Some of you know what, exactly what I'm talking about. But the Bible says in Corinthians, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That means that's going to be the knockout punch. But you don't lose. You lose that battle because you're not going to get out of here alive. Huh? I said, we're not going to get off this earth alive because if we keep reading, it drops down to verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. What does that mean? We're going to get a new body. New knees. No more, rest, no more, no more kegs. <laughs> For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. 
And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Death doesn't have a sting anymore because we've already passed that up. We've been taken away from that. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Friends, we win. We win. We win. Some of you probably noticed that I left off the last verse of chapter 48. The last verse after the encouragement, he says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Because they don't win. I said, they don't win. But as Christians, we're winners. Amen. Friday, I received a treasured gift One of our mighty mites. We coached the Wildwood Prep Track Club. And we have the little bitty ones we call mighty mites. And one of the mighty mites brought me a hand-drawn card as a thank you. But then she gave me little keychain that says a good coach will change the game a great coach will change lives wow a good coach will change the game but a great coach will change lives now I know some of you have seen this because I put it on Facebook I shared it but when Oklahoma girls softball team won the World Series. I wasn't rooting for them. They were playing the FSU. That's a little bit closer home. I was rooting for FSU. But Oklahoma won. They won with a record of 61 wins and one loss. And a record... 53-game winning streak. Unheard of. Unheard of. After winning the World Series championship, they interviewed some of the teammates on national TV. And I want to just share in closing three brief quotes. The first one says, the only way that you can have joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. Any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcome. Wow. Unsolicited on national TV. The second one said, our theme has been eyes up. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Mm. 
The third one I think was my favorite because it was from a person that was a junior. And two years ago, they won national championship as her as a freshman. And this is what she said. I didn't feel filled. And I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because it's not the end of the world if we do. Wow. Three college students that were on top of the world because they just won the World Series. But all three of them said, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that we know Jesus. That he is our Savior. Because we realized that without God, there's no peace for the wicked. The world needs the peace of God. We need to understand that we're not going to win this battle in our own strength. That we must be dependent upon Almighty God. Israel fell, documented by history. Babylon fell, documented by history. All other great governments, guess what? They fell, documented by history. Will the U.S. fail? I don't know. I trust not. I trust we have a revival. But I can tell you one thing that won't fail. The Bible says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if you want to be on the winning team, you need to join God's team. Not necessarily Oxford Assembly of God. Oh, that would be nice, but that's not the issue. The issue is how the mighty have fallen, but God will see us through. Would you bow your heads in prayers? Our worship team comes back. Holy Spirit, we pray once again for the lady that I don't even know who it was that collapsed. Pray that you would minister to her, be with them and the doctors in touch. And fathers, we close this service today. If there's anyone that's got their trust in anything other than God Almighty, if they got their salvation based on anything other than Jesus Christ that they would realize that they need you and father if there are those that are going through circumstances and ordeals in their life because even Christians go through some testing even Christians go through some refining processes and we need your strength we need your peace we need your forgiveness and some here today may be broken. They need to be mended. They may be empty and they need to be filled. And God, we ask you to minister as only you can do right now. So have your way. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. 
thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.